Welcome back to The Profitable Python. I'm your host, Ben McNeil, and on this episode, you will meet Marcus Hubbard. Marcus is an XR engineer and officer of AR for Houston VR organization. Marcus, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a blast. We are going to pick your brain on all things virtual reality, augmented reality. So here we go. Um, how did you find your calling to work in virtual reality and augmented reality? Um, so my journey actually got started a, a little weird. Um, I was doing e-commerce, so I was doing like Shopify websites, looking into uh, building things with Ruby on Rails for uh, the, you know, the actual app services. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think like uh, I saw the Google um, I saw the Google headset at the time and where we were going with the technology. And I, I started to think, uh, do we have any shopping malls like this? So as, as I started to look further into it, um, long story short, basically I started to find all these parallels in between uh, VR and AR and shopping. And so it started to, I started to take a bigger interest in it. And uh, so my whole idea was to create an e-commerce store that you can buy uh, virtual goods from. And so when I started to look into the workflow, I started to see that, uh, you were, you would have to, um, do use a lot of photogrammetry. Um, you had to use a lot of game engine services. And so, um, then I just, you know, the ball started rolling and I, I started to join organizations to see, okay, how, how are other people using this technology? And, um, uh, fast forward some years and, you know, basically now I'm, now I'm at this point so dang so is it safe to say that you reinvented yourself as an XR engineer or did you have some sort of background that kind of just allowed you to go right into it Uh, so I have a computer science background so okay mostly mostly, uh, classical uh, just from schooling uh, you know like C++ uh, and Java background and so uh, I, I didn't make too many Java apps. I actually got hired as a software developer pretty early on. The HR lady told me uh, I was pretty lucky to get, get hired <laughs> straight out of college uh, nice. to software development. So uh, I, I started doing uh, web development in uh, UI UX uh, okay. for all the gas company is, is how I initially started. And then uh, from there, I kind of, you know, you know, joined and started to do some, some of my own projects. And then I uh, saw that they were interested in technology. And then from there, I kind of championed, championed the, uh, the AR portion of the, the uh, branch that we built. Cool. Yeah, man. I, I don't know if I got this far uh, even introducing myself to you, but I actually work in oil and gas too right now. So yeah, I, I got I my, uh, yeah, I got my degree in petroleum engineering. Um, and now I'm like writing Python stuff. So, <laughs> but, uh, everyone, everyone's journey is different. You know, I've, yeah. I've heard, I have many stories, you know, from people with diverse backgrounds, you know, uh, getting into programming, you know, from either business degrees or, you know, what have you music. So mm-hmm. I understand completely, at least you're in your field. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, Hey, that's a, that's a blessing right there, man. Um, not a lot of people can say that. Right. So yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. So what are some big problems in the land of accessibility that you hope to solve in your lifetime? Uh, so there, 
to speak on accessibility, I think uh, the people who created uh, uh, Rick and Morty Simulator and the Job Simulator uh, Alchemy Labs, uh, they, they've come down to speak many times to Houston VR organization. And uh, one of the problems is accessibility. Um, a lot of people forget that when they're designing these programs, you know, for people who uh, aren't mobile or, you know, they might might only have three degrees of freedom so they can only move their, he their head or, you know, so uh, technology has to work for them as well. Uh, so whenever you're designing uh, these XR experiences, you have to think uh, outside of the box and then you have to have many people actually testing your apps and do iterative testing. That way you can see, okay, if someone's wheelchair bound, how would they use my experience? Or if someone's, you know, uh, cannot move the left side of their hands or if they're left-handed, how would they, you know, interact with our, with our experience? So it's really gonna be uh, taking that iterative approach. And then on, on top of that, um, kind of designing for VR is and AR is a lot different than designing for regular web mediums. Uh, just because uh, when you're designing for regular web mediums, you don't have to take into account 3D space. Uh, so with this technology, you do have to take account 3D space and uh, how people would interact with those 3D spaces. So uh, kind of prototyping and um, uh, building out actual physical models in order to interact with the objects inside of a scene is, uh, you know, something too that you have to take into account whenever you're building out these experiences. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy that you shared that because uh, a lot of the people in my audience are kind of, they're either data science or web kind of, uh, that's like the big problems that Python solves. And so it's always good to kind of get an idea of all the other worlds out there going on and these solutions that people are building. And uh, I'll just interject this. Um, the la I just got finished with a podcast with a dude. He's a quadriplegic that writes code for, uh, he does like machine learning models and stuff. And it's just like, I, I was so, uh, first of all, I was so humbled to be in, a, in his presence because the dude is just like you, you think like, like you have challenges, you know, and then you run into people like this that are thriving and they have no moving body parts above their neck. It's just, it's amazing, man. And then you're making technology to enable folks like that to have, you know, superpowers. I think that's awesome, man. I, I appreciate it. And it's a, it's a big VR community out here and uh, everywhere. So <laughs> I appreciate all the work that everyone's doing to move it forward. So, yeah, cool, man. Yeah. So I was wondering, um, how has the practice of open-mindedness served you? Um, I think me being open-minded allowed me to get out of my comfort zone and uh, meet a lot of people from, different backgrounds and uh, not necessarily doing what, I, what I'm doing, but I'm still learning from them. I think that's like uh, one of the real definitions of, of trying to be wise is learning from other people's experiences. And so um, I kind of take that approach whenever uh, I'm, you know, learning and, uh, and trying to give back to the community as well. Excellent. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that. And I was wondering, uh, when was a time or maybe you can tell uh, like a story that comes to mind, but when was a time that your work ethic created an amazing opportunity for you? Um, 
all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have to be willing to go out. Uh, let me say like, uh, I go to a lot of different like meetups and organizations, not just for VR. Um, I once heard that, um, you need to go out and be the, 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 the different person in the room. So uh, if, you're, if you're a VR person, you want to get around a lot of real estate people. Uh, you want to get a, around a lot of bankers or you want to get around a lot of where, wherever you're trying to be in life or wherever they would need a VR expert if someone even had the idea mm. of creating this. Because um, a lot of problems start um, with other people. Well, a lot of science problems or let's say medical problems can be solved when there's different fields that work together to build put out a project. So with XR, um, like Meow Wolf, for instance, I don't know if you heard of Meow Wolf out of, uh, out of uh, Santa Fe. Yeah, yeah. The art installation, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's many different people that are working on that project together. You know, some are from an architectural background, some are from, you know, a traditional, uh, you know, software engineering background, some are just pure technical. Uh, so, you know, using those different mediums in order to build out, because we have, we have definitions to problems that are usually the same, uh, but we, we all word them a little bit differently. Uh, so whenever it comes to actually building out a project, you know, you might have this idea and it might be the totally wrong approach from the engineering side of things. So then you need that engineering perspective. Um, so always, you know, going out and branching out and building those relationships with different kinds of people to solve different kinds of problems, I think, uh, is always a good approach. And um, I'd say like uh, last last month I was uh, just talking casually to one of my friends at one of the meetups and then someone offered him some money um, to finish a project. And me, me and this guy, we've been talking for years, like back and forth. Right. And no one's ever actively offered some money, you know, for, to finish a project. So I was like, Hey guy, um, oh, actually I didn't, I didn't even say much, you know, I just kind of talked to the guy, you know, and then uh, he told me that it was a, a H town incubator space. Uh, it was just brand new, just popped up on the north side, and there's not one really this far up north Houston uh, uh, for various reasons. And so uh, when I went there, you know, I was I was I was shocked. You know, I got I got invited out of a conversation, and uh, hmm. it was wonderful. And I, I saw a lot of different people, and they had a contest like uh, elevator pitch contest. And, you know, had I not been in these places and these spaces and having these conversations with people, I definitely wouldn't, would not have been there because that, that's not something that, you know, you wouldn't think a, a VR person would be at a lot of incubator spaces, but I do go to, you know, a lot of those spaces in town and um, from Station Houston to, um, to that H-Town incubator space uh, to the Canon. So there's many spaces like that. Um, you know, we work that offers collaboration spaces and I, I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to a lot of them. Trust me. So. <laughs> yeah, that's man. I, I feel like people have just right there. They already got their money's worth because um, for a lot of people I know, it's like, you know, comfortable to kind of be around people that they're all drinking the same Kool-Aid, but you got to get out there. And like what I'm, if I'm hearing you loud and clear here, it's like, you need to seek out these opportunities where you are the oddball in the room and uh, that's like, you can't even imagine what type of uh, results you'll get from that. 
Yeah, I mean that that advice um, that that advice literally is from someone that's working with Exxon Mobil. They're working for Rice University. Um, they're working with various medical teams, and you're like, how did that guy get in that position? And that's literally, you know, how he got into that position. He, he's always traveling. He's always going to different conferences. Uh, he's always meeting new people. And so uh, he, he advised me to do the same. And I, I, I had already been doing that, but it, it was just a, it was just a, a eye opening experience, you know, just talk to him and be like, okay, well, I need to, you know, I need to do all of that. You know, I just came from California, you know, went down to Atlanta and I've made some contacts down there. So you, you got to kind of be, you know, international or, or for me it's national right now, but I do have my passport. So soon it will be international. So as soon as this coronavirus nonsense lifts, it goes away. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this just uh, triggered uh, a memory that I had. There was a guy um, typically, well, just like a heads up at the end of the podcast, I'm like, what's the best advice you've ever received? And one time this guy basically said, he's like, you want to be the big fish or the, in, in the small pond. And that's kind of what you're saying there kind of reminds me of that. It's like, yeah, if you're the XR guy at a real estate conference, you are the big fish in the small pond. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. I freaking love it. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So what is your guess on the outlook for XR engineering careers? Uh, so um, right now, it's exploded. Um, absolutely. Um, I was looking at even moving to uh, the West Coast uh, just because it's, it's exploding. It's exploding there. It's exploding in New York. Uh, it's exploding um, mostly in the West Coast in New York. I've seen Canada. I've seen the UK. Um, so there's a there's a uh, there's a research. It's a research group, basically, and uh, they, they go over careers that are exploding and all the traditional like software engineering, they were growing, you know, steadily, um, but the margins were, you know, anywhere from, you know, let's say, you know, 30 percent on up to like 70 percent. But XR was at a thousand percent. Wow. Uh, uh, so this this last year alone, it's starting to pick up momentum, especially with things like the Oculus Quest coming out. You know, I, I just got my Oculus Quest. Um, it's absolutely, you know, I've, I feel like five years from now, it's, it's going to, it's going to be so huge that it's going to be a daily part of our lives that people were, you know, who are thinking that these things were gimmicks are now going to be like, Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. And a lot of people don't know how far we are right now with yeah. some technology. So, Man, that's, that's intense. I, I hope you are right about that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what tips do you have for someone that wants to go all in on a career in XR? Like maybe getting started or I guess really anything that comes to mind. Like if you're looking to reinvent yourself as an XR engineer. Uh, so one of the first things that I looked for were a lot of boot camps. Uh, there are none. So okay. let me start you off by saying there are none that I know of outside of maybe like your traditional uh, content libraries, like, uh, you know, learning content libraries. Uh, so um, what I would suggest is find a local game jam. Um, I was just at one last month. Uh, you know, uh, it was three days. Uh, people were sleeping there, eating there. 
building out these projects and a few of them were VR projects, maybe about three or four of them were VR projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, people have a, collibor- a collaborative experience with some people who have six, six, several years of experience, if not more. Um, some people have a lot more than that, uh, building out these projects. And then you have something, you know, tangible to show people um, that, hey, you know, I did work on this experience. Um, and, and then on top of that, I would say there's so much, so many resources, you know, YouTube, um, you can go learn from if you're a Unity develop, developer straight from Unity, um, you know, or, you know, straight from whatever they recommend. They have a lot of sources. So if you're using the Unreal Engine, uh, Engine then you can go straight to, you know, their learning resources. Uh, because there's, there's so many, um, but I would just start building projects is the main thing. Uh, build as many projects as, as you can, as many different projects as you can. Um, hmm. You know, some people are not passionate about building actual app experiences. So, I mean, like actual like um, enterprise experiences. Some people aren't passionate about that. So maybe you just need to build games. Uh, some people are very passionate about just building games, uh, but never tried building actual like enterprise experience so maybe you should try that as well so kind of you know seeing uh where you fit in with all of this and then also you know are you passionate about it are you passionate about building vr or maybe it's just uh making content um you know i'm setting my i'm setting my house up for me to do mixed reality streaming maybe you're passionate about that maybe it's a different route for you so just kind of finding you know your your way and your approach uh, to, you know, creating, you know, XR experiences with, with, you know, just experiment is, I guess, the key to what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you don't, if you're not willing to go out there and try all these things out, you may, you may not, I mean, you just got to experiment. Like you're saying, it's all, it's like going through college. Like you take all these weird classes. You're like, I'd never sign up for that. But you take like the random physics class. You're like, dang, that was like really cool. I, I, at least I experienced that every class I took, I was like, I could be one of these guys. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, a professor, uh, that, uh, I don't, I don't want to call him famous, but he, he's a well-known professor here. Uh, we call him professor Jay. And, uh, so one thing he told me is, uh, you know, in life, there's a bunch of different doors. So that's how he saw college and, uh, you know, he has his doctorate, but it took a lot of failure. He he had to go through a lot of doors in order to get, you know, to see what was on the other side or he went through a door and it it led to another door. So sometimes you just have to keep going through a lot of doors until you figure out, okay, well, oh, I like this room and and the people in it. Okay. They're, you know, they are, they're vibing with me. (laughs) So I think I'm supposed to be here. Sometimes, you know, you just feel like you're supposed to be there or sometimes you feel like you're not supposed to be there and that's exactly where you need to be. So. Yeah. Oh man. I love that metaphor. So you got to, you got to go through all these doors until you find a room that you like and the people in there, dude, I don't know that. I don't know that teacher, but I love him already. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> History teacher. Here in Houston, so. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's totally cool, man. Um, let's see here. So what is your most memorable game jam experience? I had to look that up. I had never heard of that term before. Um, I would say this last one, because, um, you know, what's amazing to me is, uh, there's, I'm not going to say his name, but there's a 19 year old that I know, and he's been making VR experiences for several years now. And so he started when he was 12 and 
he eats, sleeps, and just develops. And to see like uh, people out there just so engulfed inside of this technology, it's just amazing. It's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. And this was with the Art Institute of Houston, um, and then as well as a lot of you know other uh, backers uh, from globally. So. Uh, whenever you're involved in one of these game jams, you have resources there. You have someone there to actually help you if you get stuck. Uh, you have other people that are working on their project. You have sound engineers there as well. Um, I think I think this this latest one, uh, you know, a sound engineer just he just walks up and he's just like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And you give him the overall experience of what you're trying to create, and then you know he makes he makes your music, he makes your sounds for you. You know, and then you start collaborating. Um, and so this, this, this latest one definitely seen, um, uh, the funniest thing about everything was they asked you how many programmers, how many, uh, game designers or just, uh, artists, game artists that are there and, uh, how many sound guys. So there's not a lot of artists that were there and there were not a lot of sound guys. So that part of the experience was the most eye opening hmm. is if you can make a lot of VR art, um, via either um is it uh i can't even remember right now but you know they have these art apps like uh, google has one i I believe it's called google pixel but i didn't want to say anything right wrong but uh but if you use something like that you could create these wonderful beautiful experiences uh these landscapes and a lot of people don't know that workflow and and how to bring it into unity you can pretty much make a movie out of it uh, whether it's Blender or Maya or whatever you use to actually build out the assets. Um, hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff to learn. Uh, and, and uh, you know, people just want to see your portfolio as well. Uh, a lot of times I ask, well, what, is, what, is, what makes a good artist? And people are like, their portfolio, their portfolio, you know, whether it's on an art station or, or what have you, you know, Sketchfab, you have to, you know, be building out these things. So constantly working on, you know, uh, a lot of uh, prototypes or a lot of assets or a lot, just a lot of art in general, uh, definitely, you know, help along that. So definitely Mm -hmm. that game jam, the last one, just seeing, you know, the kind of the imbalance in the force (laughs) (laughs) for VR developers. Man, that's, so if, are these things like a couple of days long or are they like a weekend long or something? So each game jam takes takes a diff, different approach. So okay. it's going to depend on like who's sponsoring. So some of them are a few days, some are a day, some are, could be like four hours. So it just depends. Um, uh, normally it's backed by, you know, uh, a, a game company or uh, some, some organism, some gaming organization, uh, but there's different ones. Uh, Global Game Jam was the, the one uh, that, that I did recently. Um, so if you just go to uh, Global Game Jam, I'm not sure if it's .com or .org, but if you just Google Global Game Jam, you'll pop, you'll, you'll see all of the uh, the different ones pop up. And a lot of times you have an art institute inside of your your city or state. Uh, then I would look at their Global Game Jam as well because most likely they have one, uh, and you can kind of start from there. But there's many different ones. Sometimes I see YouTubers just create their own. They just collaborate with a bunch of people and say, "Hey, we're sponsoring a, a Global Game Jam." send us what you got, you know, send all your stuff to this link and, uh, you know, send your repository to what have you. So Hmm. crazy. Yeah. Uh, Some of the stuff that you're mentioning here is really dovetailing with 
like a, a podcast. Literally, I just finished like maybe two hours ago. Um, but this guy, he was basically talking about generative art and he was taught and, and AI has these capabilities of, of generative art. I don't, have you heard of GAN, uh, technology? They, they call them generative adversarial networks and you feed them like a Mona Lisa and then it trains on like the Mona Lisa. And then what you do is after it trains on it, then you feed it white noise and it'll, you can get all kinds of just crazy generative art check it out when you when you get off here there's uh it's just starting to crop up but you were talking about like being able to create this art to make these immersive vr experience i just wonder if there's some sort of opportunity for gan specialists to kind of team up with people like you that are creating these environments and just make like some out of this world stuff just shooting from the hip here i don't know no absolutely um uh, so there's this thing, um, I'm not going to say the name per se, but there's a game with like procedural art and every okay. time you move, there's a machine learning algorithm going on and it builds the level based off where you're moving. And so, uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say something like, cause I don't know if they're demonetizing for us. So that's what I'm just, I'm just yeah. like, there's this thing out there. And if you want to know more then uh, just find me online and then I'll definitely shoot you the link. And so there, there is a game uh, for uh, the quest that you can play that is procedurally based. So I, I absolutely, I, I love yeah. that approach. Man, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being courteous about that. I, I, uh, I don't know exactly what the rules are with that. Cause I, I don't have enough followers yet to get, to get monetized, but uh, yeah, it's good to be proactive. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah. I'm very, I'm, I try to be conscious of that type of stuff. So. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. So um, I was curious because I know you're you're pretty heavily involved in these uh, meetups. You're you have some sort of leadership role, right, with uh, Houston VR? Yeah. So I go over the AR news um, uh, for the most part. Um, so any anything AR basically. I try to collaborate with as, in as many people as in the industry as I can. So if they have something to share, uh, sometimes there's projects. You know, a lot of people bring projects, uh, demos. Um, sometimes it's a whole company, um, you know, whether it's from a HoloLens or a medical perspective. Sometimes we have, we have bigger um, almost uh, meetups. And basically uh, uh, a couple of times out the year, we go down to the station and, um, we bring all the startups that's around Houston VR and then they get to showcase their stuff to, you know, either, you know, angel investors or, uh, uh, you know, just backers in general and, um, or other companies that might want to collaborate with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, basically it's, it's almost like a, not a curator, but, you know, I just, I just display things and I just share as much as I, I could possibly you know, find on what's going on. Uh, but there's some very talented leaders uh, for the Houston VR organization. They're absolutely passionate about uh, VR and they're absolutely experts. Um, some of the smartest guys I've ever come across on this planet, uh, literally. Um, uh, so uh, shout out to the Houston VR organization, uh, Eric, uh, William, Kevin, um, a, a lot of other people. Is it, it, uh, all the Joshes? There's many Joshes there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nice. Um, 
Yeah. I, so along those lines, actually, I was curious, like, what criteria do you look for when deciding if a meetup or an organization is something that is going to, um, like jive with you, I guess, like, what is your criteria for, or, or are they all just wonderful experiences? Um, I guess, um, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for engagement from the leadership. Um, a lot of times when I go to different experiences, like some people are not like connecting people together for either projects or like, uh, for experiences or, you know, or giving them all that they know. So I'm looking for people that are really passionate about the stuff that they're, they're, you know, showing or, mm-hmm. um, uh, learning or, you know, uh, sharing because, uh, sometimes you go to some meetups, you know, I'm not pointing fingers or anything. And it's just like, it's like, okay, okay. Now what? Or, uh, or I'm not getting, I'm not being engaged personally or like the leadership is not really talking to anyone, you know, they just, it, as soon as it's done, they're gone. So I, I kind of look heavily at those things just because you got to nourish the mind. You got to, you know, you got to, uh, I don't know if you ever read the book, the go giver, uh, but you have to go above and beyond um, a lot of times in order to give people proper experiences. That way, you know, you're stuck inside of their mind. And if you're not doing that, then it's like, it's like, what is your, what is your purpose? Like, are you trying to build a brand? Are you trying to just help people genuinely? Like uh, with Houston VR, they're just trying to help people get um, involved with VR, you know, mm-hmm. Uh any kind of way because we have general meetups there's a gaming one there's ones for software developers specifically um there's a there's further ones that are associated like the unity meetups so uh and those are just people that are passionate about helping people in general get in, involved with vr and get exposed to vr sometimes they bring eight thousand dollar headsets you know that you won't see anywhere else you'll see you'll get a varo and you'll get to get that simulation experience at a, at a you know inside of a hangar and you would never have got the gotten that experience if this person was absolutely passionate about what they're doing so hmm. uh i just i just look for passion really and then, you know if i don't feel any then it's, it's like a magnet and it's leading me somewhere else so Excellent. Yeah. That, and actually I'm, I'm just kind of looking at my line of question here. You might've already answered this because uh, I kind of fumbled through that uh, originally the asking that, but I'm trying to figure out the characteristics of a successful meetup specifically. I mean, it sounds like passion is like a no brainer. Like if there, if passion is not in the air, like you, you're, you're looking for the, the fastest way out of there. Is there any, is there anything else like structure wise, content wise, um, like, like mentorship, like, is there a certain ratio of like, uh, super experienced people versus noobs? Like, do you, I'm just, I really want to pry here. Cause a, I don't live in like a tech community. I live in Farmington, New Mexico, uh, on a, on the weekends when this place is busy, there's a hundred thousand people. So I'm kind of curious, like how, like if I wanted to cultivate that sort of thing here, what are the boxes I need to check off? but also just criteria for like, if I was in the big city, how do I make sure I'm at the right place? So yeah, if I haven't confused you enough with that crazy question. No, not at all. I would say uh, it would take some research because, you know, some of these organizations, um, 
I think I think it's maybe about 15 bucks to start a meetup or something similar to that. And so um, <clears throat> I would look at the history uh, of the meetup. If you're trying to see like what a successful meetup is like, uh, I would go to one that's been running for a long time, you know, and a, a long time for meetups. I would look at how long the meetup, I don't know how long meetup meetups have been running, but I've been going for the last couple of years. So I would look for one at least a couple of years old. Um, you know, uh, Houston VR, I believe, is uh, going on several years old. So you can see they're absolutely passionate about it. Uh, but as far as as far as far a systematic approach is what I would say, uh, because there are a lot of mentors inside of uh, Houston VR that will help you, uh, whether it's coding. They're always asking, hey, what are you guys what are you guys looking for? Are you guys looking to get more of a coding experience? Are you guys looking to uh, get more access to hardware? Like, what are your problem points? So if you find an organization that's actually looking to see, okay, what is my community needing from me? And then how can I give back and actually giving back? Um, then I would say uh, th that's a systematic approach. Uh, but as far as, too, when I look and, and I go to it, if they have like an email subscription or they have a podcast going on, they have something con constantly where they're giving back and making sure that, you know, people are informed. Um, they have a website. Um, they have people that, that are, that have grown out outside of the organization, organization and inside the organization. And then they have other industry connections as well. Um, now just starting off, of course, you're not going to, not going to find all those things immediately, but someone as yourself, like you're doing a bunch of interviews, you know, you have, you have a software background, you know, you provide a lot of value from just being there in general. Um, so I think, uh, it's all going to depend on the person's approach. No, no one's approach is going to be specifically the same. Mm -hmm. I just know what I personally wouldn't like to see inside an organization, which is like bias or like discrimination or stuff like that but outside of that you know um it's going to be entirely up to the, you know the, the people uh uh but as far as i guess if you come to the big city i would say like i said look for uh, organizations running the longest uh look for with you know they're putting money into it basically someone's passionate enough to put some money into it yeah and then and actually, you know, uh, engage people often. So that's what I, that's what I would say. So either a Facebook group or, or something, they're showing, you know, that people have interest inside of this thing. And um, it's just, it's not just a hobby for some. Some people are actually, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur or uh, they actually work for a company that's doing it or, you know, something is, some wheels are spinning in that organization and something's yeah. getting done. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. And I was curious, um, for Houston VR, uh, are they doing anything in light of the coronavirus outbreak or is it business as usual? Um, so that, that's a good question. Normally, uh, we always do meetups normally. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably not going to happen this time. And uh, as heartbreaking as that, that is, but we're always, we're on Discord. And so uh, okay. not just Discord, but uh, um, uh, Slack as well. So uh, the communication is always, you know, uh, pouring out. And then also you could go to the meetup 
site and then if you if you don't see anything scheduled in the calendar as well and uh, a lot of times leadership would just you know straight up send up send out emails or you get a notification from me to letting people know like hey we're not we're not going to do anything but uh um for, for right now, I, I I won't be attending. <laughs> Even if there was one, yeah. Uh, for right now, just for, you know, for the safety of everyone. But uh, mm-hmm. we can always meet up in VR. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, so. yeah. I figured. I figured if any if anyone like that group would uh, be able to solve that problem of like, oh, we don't we don't need physical meetup space. Uh, but um, yeah, there's a lot of rigmarole probably going into um, like online meetups or something like. That. Do you see that as being even a, like a viable option, or is it just it just doesn't work like that? Oh, absolutely! Uh, so many spaces, uh, so many different, uh, I would say, social experiences right now. That absolutely. Now, uh, one thing that we talk about in uh, Houston VR is once we get to the point where we have foveated rendering, so where you can see people's eyes inside of VR and have a conversation just like we're having, then that's going to uh, add a level of immersion to the experience. So once we get to that point, then, you know, it'll almost have no difference outside of the textile difference or like uh, the actual, um, um, you know, filled and, you know, that, uh, what, the, what am I looking for? Uh, <laughs> um, outside of 3d, like actual physical, uh, interactions with objects and stuff outside of that, you know, it'll, it'll be as close to, you know, an Ironman level or, or a minority report or a star Trek or what have you. There's so many different experiences. I, I don't know if you saw like the expanse or, you know, of course, yeah. you know, star Wars, so we're, we're moving closer and closer towards that reality. Hmm. Uh, so in the future, absolutely. Now, can we do it? Absolutely. Is there, um, is there hardware limitations? Yes. But I mean, uh, some of these experiences are still absolutely amazing. Uh, every time I go inside of VR chat, I'm literally laughing because there's so many people that are uh, role playing and in character that don't <laughs> break character. <laughs> for anything that is absolutely hilarious so huh what what did you call you were, you were saying something where once the eyes are realistic or something what is that that you said so foveated rendering foveated um, rendering so uh being able to render graphics where your eyes see um and then predict also uh basically Basically, what it's what it's doing is cutting down on the GPU work by knowing where you're going to look. So it's it shoots the pixels there, and then uh, everything that's around uh, your your center focus. So everything that's uh, I forgot what they call it the cinema, cinematography, uh, but where you see like the bokeh, where you see like the the blurry uh, um, vision that your your eyes do, does whenever you're focusing on something. Uh, like you're naturally the way that the eye works is different because of the light, but it's as close to getting to real eyesight as we could possibly basically have inside the VR experience, as far as we know right now. Okay. So once that happens, graphics power increases drastically uh, because you don't have to waste as many uh, pixels or, you know, ray tracing, trying to get all the extra pixels that you can't see outside of the space that you're looking at. Um, so whenever you just, you turn your head real quick, it'll automatically 
start to render right there where you're looking at like when reality when you focus on something in an uh, object that's close to you, you look far and focus on that object it's it's playing on those uh those same characteristics that we use in the physical world and building that inside of a, a xr experience hmm. crazy man yeah thanks for man this is this is a learning experience for me thank you <laughs> no problem. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you had you had touched on this uh, a little bit, but I just wanted like for the record, what is your opinion on project based learning? Uh, so um, it's just going to depend on the person because if you if you're doing a project and you get stuck, uh, can you get yourself out of that position? Some people absolutely need someone there to kind of help them because it's all about your learning style. Um, so sometimes it takes, you know, stepping away from that project and maybe building some other projects, but then some people see that as like a lack of focus. So it's going to depend on the person uh, as far as the, the project based experience, uh, getting, getting a lot of experience in VR starting off uh, just because it's so, so new. Um, I, I see it. It's like it's still in its infancy. So getting a lot of project-based uh, experience might just be learning from a bunch of videos. But then to try to do it for industry, um, that's why you're hot to make some network connections because you know not someone started from nothing at some point. Uh, so you know just finding those same people uh, that are willing to help you get to where you are because there's there's plenty um you know you know i get stuck all the time and those people that i had to go to and they they have to explain like um hey if you get stuck here i have this file for you to open up and then you don't have to worry about these uh interactions with vrtk you know uh which is which is an approach to solve a lot of uh, uh interactions you just built it's just built inside of unity for you so you can climb ladders and stuff like straight out of the file project in unity uh, it's actually one of the most uh hair pulling experiences that i found just because uh there's only one guy that's working on the project on this github uh but we love you guy we love you um, <laughs> but it, at, at, on top of that like uh so this this just really quirky things that you know you might have to engage someone else to get some help you know, getting past that point. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, especially like uh, I, when I was working on the Magic Leap, uh, for instance, um, I could not use it inside of my network at work. Uh, literally, uh, our firewalls were blocking it from being able to uh, connect with my computer uh, remotely. Uh, so, and then none of the ports that I worked on any Windows-based PC were working at the time. Um, so it took me... Mm -hmm. Get, getting you know i called i called the support team like two or three times they took me talking to other people they're like well you might have to you know work on another on another network or at home or something or you know until they get the bugs worked out but i'm like man this device costs three thousand dollars and i can't even just plug it into my computer it's like did they develop this thing on a mac or what happened so it's kind of just uh you know uh it's kind of just a quirky experience just all in itself, you know, yeah. but at the, at the same token, uh, uh, project-based learning is, is fundamental and is actually absolutely, I would recommend uh, projects, project-based learning because uh, you're not going to learn a lot of stuff from a traditional software uh, background, uh, just to be completely honest. Like 
I look at a lot of different schools' curriculums and stuff just to see what they're teaching. I'm actually thinking about going to school just uh, to finish, uh, to possibly uh, get a PhD because I don't see a lot of curriculums that are towards VR in general. And so I would like to teach people the correct you know, way to approach situations or how to get past that point. Mm-hmm. And so, I, uh, you know, of course, they're probably building out curriculums, but it takes years to actually build out the curriculums. And when there's a new headset popping up, you know, every four or five, six months, uh, uh, then it's probably pretty difficult to build, you know, a steady curriculum around uh, that technology until it takes a, a complete mainstream you know approach so hmm. yeah i if i'm hearing you basically project-based learning is fundamental but you better get ready to get your hands dirty get stuck and get unstuck exactly that's the part of the fun i guess <laughs> absolutely cool man um so your daily non-negotiable is learning something new and I wanted to know what are some tips you have for self-education? Um, I always ask people like in the industry, like um, what's your favorite books or what are your favorite resources? Sometimes it's a podcast. Sometimes it's a, a video series. Um, sometimes it's just an experience or a group that they, they want you to get involved with in order to, you know, learn more. Um, so um, I kind of, I kind of lost the question. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, you're fine. So basically your non-negotiable is learning something new. And I was curious what tips you have for self-education. And it sounds like you are just huge on like, like asking other people like, Hey, what's working for you. And then you're diving into those resources. Is that kind of what I understand? Yes, absolutely. So, um, learning people's favorite books, um, um, not just that, but with me, I say uh, self-education is a way of life for me. Mm, and so cool. a lot of software engineers, I know they have to learn constantly on a in daily basis because there's different stacks, there's different workflows that they have to work through, or there's some new you know, uh, technology framework that they have to learn. Um, so kind of taking that same approach uh, to, to uh, life and VR in general. Um, I feel like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of people that are selling like uh, project based things. So you can find some VR, you know, project based something. And, you know, it might be 50 bucks. You know, I spend $600 on a course to learn about, you know, uh, uh, gaming architecture from a, a VR as- aspect in uh, software architecture uh, from a, a gaming aspect. Um, uh, how to, you know, build out VR projects uh, from that approach. So I'll shell out money. Uh, literally, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars of just self-education just to learn, you know, um, different things. Now, that's not always someone, that's not everyone's approach, but that's definitely my approach has always been a self-learner, always, you know, uh, shelling out the money to learn something new um, because sometimes you won't get it for free. You know, sometimes someone has a paywall behind it and because it, it might've took, it might've taken them several years to get the information that you're trying to get. Um, so sometimes you have to pull out that checkbook <laughs> and, yeah. uh, just to get that, you know, and um, some people are disappointed, but Hey, I would look at the program and see if there's a money back guarantee or something like that. Uh, if they have actual, trusted sources that you can find that use that use that 
that uh, system before to get, you know, to get results. So as long as that th- they have those things, you kind of know already what you're getting into as mm-hmm. far as uh, for self-education. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing some courses, you know, right now that, are, you know, that I pay for, for, for VR and stuff. So to, to get me further than a lot of people would, you know, would actually get. So, uh, so there's that. And then on top of that, it, sometimes it's just taking someone to lunch or, you know, you always hear about the coffee. Uh, can I take you for coffee or something? Who, who doesn't want free food? Uh, like, like whenever we sit in the office and there's someone that offers some, some, uh, free food or something, we're like, Oh yeah, we're absolutely rude now. You know, we're going to listen to you. At least you got our, I got our attention because you got our stomachs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I love it. There's so much, there's so much gold in that. Like, just don't, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. It's like the best investment that, so yeah, you got to, you got to blow 600 bucks on a course. Like that's probably the best 600 bucks you spent since the last course you took. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about that too. And uh, it's always fun to run into someone that's like-minded like that. I know a lot of people, it can get real contagious. Like, oh, I only do the free stuff or like, you know, the, I, I see I see it on the socials a lot. People are, they'll complain if something costs like 40 bucks and it's like, sometimes, sometimes like it's costing you a lot more to not fork out that cash. So yeah, yes. to each their own, I guess. It's, it's very true. I mean, uh, we don't have a... Uh, I might get shot for this one, but you know, we don't have a lot of country clubs and you know golf clubs and stuff for nothing, or you know, we don't we don't have a lot of memberships and stuff for you know X Y Z for nothing, you know, yeah, uh, uh, or buy-ins, you know. Sometimes that approach, sometimes it's the right approach, you know, or, or being in the right place at the right time with the right amount of skills and knowledge to to to. Uh, to actually be able to build out a project, um, it might, it might take that, you know, so it might, we, we might be talking and then it might be a VR project that comes from this, but because I showed out that money and because I've, I've moved with these people and learned in these circles, you know, that's years of knowledge that you would, you would have to basically get some, you wouldn't have that knowledge basically yeah. in, in, in another sense uh just because uh you know you wouldn't have that ability or that option if it wasn't literally there so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's one of my biggest fears actually is like you know if i if i if my skills aren't up to the task cuz opportunity is always presenting itself but it's you know are you able to kind of uh execute on that or are your skills at that level so that's kind of one of my biggest fears is like, you know, that this opportunity comes by, but I haven't put in the time to, to be able to execute on it. So that my only way to eradicate that fear is to just go hard and study my brains out, basically, like invest in myself, spare time on the weekends, that sort of thing. So I'm all about it. I absolutely agree. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, that approach. Yes, sir. So let's see here. We got, um, so do you, do you document those daily learnings at all? Or how do you make sure that those learnings are actually being leveraged? Cause that's another trap I fall into is like, I'm a connoisseur of like all these learning things, but are they being used? You know, are we leveraging them? So what, 
uh, let me rephrase that. So, um, do you document your learnings and how do you make sure that they're being used? Uh, so some are just reminder apps. Uh, some are just actually putting it down on your calendar uh, to, hey, I, I, you know, I'd spend X, Y, Z amount of time. I try to make sure that I spend at least an hour on a project that I'm working on. Like uh, uh, if it's really that important to me, I make sure that it's the highest priority of my day to finish that project out or that learning out um, to learn this new, you know, technology. So um, for me, I document almost everything that I do. Um, but I've always been this way. I don't, I, <laughs> ever since like, uh, ever since I can remember, like I started using like the notepad notebook, you know, and then now it's evolved to, you know, Evernote or AirStory or what have you, um, in order to build out these, uh, these projects. Uh, so literally I document everything hmm. I pretty much do, uh, on, on a daily basis that way. I'll have a systemized approach on, you know, uh, building it out. So, so hmm. uh, I, I definitely find it important to set reminders, um, to keep in mind, like, the tasks that you're going to do. Um, uh, sometimes you might use a to-do app, and you know, there's plenty of them, you know, uh, via the web or from your phone. Um, but like I said, I, I, I normally use a, a few apps on a daily basis to make sure that I'm keeping track and I, I literally have thousands upon thousands of notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess the next question I have is um, re regarding this whole thing, like, so you've been doing this for years, you have like a massive repository of documentation. How, uh, like, let's say somebody is like, well, I guess I'll just selfishly ask for myself here. Like, I feel like I'm not probably doing the best job of, of doing, like I'm putting in the work, let's say, but I'm not doing the best job of documenting it. And so I'm just wondering, like, uh, is there, and maybe you've already answered this question. So you could, you can just say, Hey, I already answered that. But you know, like how could somebody like me that, that doesn't have that system in place, um, kind of like begin to, is there something strategic, about doing it or do you just do brain dumps? Um, I would say um, it depends on what your goal is. Like if your goal was to uh, create a business, then everything would be systematized, you know, to in order to be profitable or to uh, have your brand exposed. But if it's for learning, everything needs to be, you know, documented from a learning perspective. Like, okay, I had trouble with, uh, you know, this function in C-sharp, you know, I forgot a parentheses or something, or, you know, actually writing that down, or sometimes it's in code, you know, actually, you know, document that you had trouble, you know, on this, this part of the code, sometimes it's through the, you know, the debugger, uh, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's going to just be through your Evernote, uh, oh, I'm, for me, for my Evernote, that I just set, I set reminders or I have apps that are running that, that told me like, Hey, come back to this in 15 minutes. Uh, literally I have an app every time I, I spawn up my browser, it pulls up some reminders and it's, it just, sometimes it scares the heck out of me because I forget that, that I set it and it just tells me, Hey, you need to get back to doing this. And there's just a robot voice speaking to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that helps me not forget like, okay, I need to continuously, uh, get this done. 
Excellent. Yeah. What are, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask you this last part here, like from an app. So there's tools that you use. What are like, uh, like a handful that come to mind in case somebody's like completely like, I love this, but I have no idea what he's talking about. What are like Evernote I heard? There's something in your browser. Like what are some of the tools that you find really handy? Yeah. So, uh, I think it's airstory.co, um, uh, Evernote, um, uh, Cal- I think you use Calendly, uh, yeah. um, or just your calendar in itself. Uh, there's one note, um, that should come just on your computer. Um, the actual app is in my Chrome browser. I cannot, I cannot think of the app by itself. Um, but like I said, uh, usually it's just having access to it. Like right off the rip, I go to my Evernote just because it's the fastest for me because I have it on everything and I have it in multiple places on the browser, on my desktop and on my phone. So it's, it's, it's just the quickest for me to write down something uh, that whenever, whenever there's a note to be, you know, took, I usually write it down. Even if I use my, like, I have a note 10, even if I use the notebook, I still share it to my Evernote. Uh, so that's my go-to one. Um, and that's the one I normally recommend just because I've been using it for so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and it's just kind of fundamental for me in order to remember things. And I just go back and I recount my days at the end of the day. And then I, I look and see all of the things that I've done throughout the day. Uh, so sometimes it's like just several notes on random things. Um, uh, and then I, I go and I look and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember I was trying to solve that problem. And then I just get back to it. Or sometimes it's that just that robot reminder, but I'll have to, uh, I'll have to see what that app is. But I'm sure if you just Google like, uh, chrome reminder app you know or something like that like i'm sure that you know there's going to be at least you know five pop that that'll pop up so okay cool yeah thanks for sharing that um that's part of the fun of this podcast i get to open up random cans of worms there so that was that was fun thank you no problem um okay so what is your message to someone that's feeling imposter syndrome when teaching their new skills to help reinforce their learning um all right. I'm so sorry. During this quarantine, my wife's trying to get the groceries real quick. So I need the responses message. Just give me one second. Oh yeah. Go for it, man. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So I had to, I had to get like, you know, hundreds of the dollars in groceries <laughs> to make sure she's all right. It's all good, man. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, Everyone feels imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Um, so everyone feels it. Um, I think there's, there's a book on imposter syndrome. It might even be self-titled, like uh, Getting Over Imposter Syndrome, but I'll have to get that title for you. Um, but everyone feels that way. Um, as far as I know, I never come across a person that just felt like they knew everything about everything uh, because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes there's a, there's a person, you know, that might know more than you and so uh i'm looking at someone and you know they're getting funding or they're putting out giant projects and i'm like man how can i do that but they're normally looking at someone else and, you know whether you know be a, a tech millionaire or you know a simple person that works at valve or something they're they're looking at those people and they're feeling like they're an imposter 
but just because, you know, they don't have the same skill set or the same background. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, everyone feels that it's kind of just, it's kind of just working uh, in spite of that. And then also teaching people what you know, um, because uh, I think that's the quickest way to get out of that, that role. After you, you know, if you taught 20 people how to do something in unity, then you're probably not going to feel like an imposter anymore. So like mentorship programs or, you know, assistant positions somewhere or, or just, you know, whether it's adjunct or actually going to, you know, give back to the community and uh, doing a meetup and just teaching people the basics of what you know, I think that is an incredible, incredible uh, way to get over the imposter syndrome. Um, uh, but everyone feels that way, you know, so uh, even if you have, you know, five projects, you know, six, if you have a hundred projects, you might still feel like an imposter. So you might see some art that's absolutely amazing. And like, I could never do that. Or, <laughs> so uh, I just, I would just say, uh, uh, just keep in mind, like uh, everyone always says, once you export, you know, to whatever device have, have you, you know, you're a game designer or you're an XR engineer at that point, you know, if you send a project over to, uh, the, the the Oculus or the Rift or what have you, HTC, you know, you're a VR developer at that point. Um, sometimes you have to use an emulator. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It's the same, you know, it's the same process that you would normally take on the, uh, well, it's a little bit different process, but it's the same approach that you would take on a piece of hardware. Um, so at that point, you know, just really proud of yourself that you even got to that point and uh hmm. no you're not you're not in a, you're not in process so the first thing is get to that get to that step build out any project it can be a stick figure for all we care you can just have some basic you know motions uh or or it could just uh it could just be some basic interactions with the with that's built inside of uh an asset package you know uh no one really cares as long as it's work it works uh and then you can show it to people because people will be amazed that you did that in the first place. Um, yeah. There's projects that I see on a daily basis. And I'm like, holy cow, like these, these, you know, these guys are great or this kid is absolutely talented or I could never build that. Um, where there's, I see some people with some data visualization, um, some things that, you know, we have a lot of business minds in VR. And so you would never think like, oh man, uh, this guy has a giant, you know, uh, node network for chemical molecules that you're, you know, putting together. I can never do that, you know, and you feel like a posture like the, this guy, you know, is working with NASA and stuff, but at the same token, at the end of the day, it's the same fundamental tools that he used to build that, that, that project out. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a cool message, man. I, I hope people feel empowered by that. Um, what, Okay, so you had mentioned vertical game slice as uh, one of your completing this vertical game slice. I don't know if it's top secret, but if it isn't, what vertical game slice are you working on right now or trying to complete right now? Uh, so it's an escape room, um, but it's, it's based off, uh, basically, it's a cyberpunk game. Um, I love cyberpunk. I love everything about cyberpunk whether it's uh, Blade Runner, uh, I'm watching The Expanse, I'm watching, uh, uh, what's, uh, 
uh, I can't think of it, uh, Alter Carbon. So, you know, I love all of those those things. Uh, Cowboy Bebop was like one of my favorite animes growing up. Uh, so I love Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077. I'm looking at that. Um, so I wanted to build something that was kind of, you know, uh, true to my culture and true to Cyberpunk. And then uh, also have one of those kind of new curated experiences um, that you could use, uh, you know, VR and uh, in, in the quest to basically engage inside of that experience. Um, but as far as the mechanics and stuff, you know, it's a vertical slice. So I have written down mechanics and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even knowing that part yet, you know, so I'm still, <laughs> I'm still building out, you know, my vertical slice, but, uh, the idea is to have it, I, I follow Thomas Brush, um, as, as a big YouTuber, a game YouTuber, indie developer, and he's made some games, uh, and he's an incredible voice right now for indie game developers. And, um, so my goal is to have my vertical slice ready within six months. That way, um, people can demo out my, my, my experience, uh, and, and, you know, test it out. Some people do it faster. Uh, I know some people that operate on 10% of their, you know, their actual time spent making the VR in, in general, and then 90% of it, they're just doing something else, you know, but they're mm-hmm. getting amazing results with just 10%. So it's all about how you utilize your time as well. But, uh, so, uh, um, I'm, I'm, uh, getting the pixel uh so i'm actually going to be drawing out the art for this game um and drawing out the actual experience and then br- bringing that into unity and uh building out an actual uh visual video workflow so it's kind of it's kind of also how i'm going to use these assets and then what what my workflow is going to uh consist of building for the quest i had to go out and buy a lot of uh a lot of the equipment because um, I, I was missing the Oculus link. I didn't know how much I needed the link. You absolutely need the link in order to send your project over to Unity. And I, I, I failed to realize that. So, you know, uh, I had to order that. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of steps. Uh, getting VRTK to work um, has been an absolute, absolutely abysmal process. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's, it's been absolutely super hard to get that to work correctly. Um, uh, so I uh, just started from the foundation. So yeah, yeah, I have a project. I have it in quest. You can walk around, you can, you can pick things up <laughs> for that, the, the artwork and everything, everything is written down. So that's where I started first. Uh, and, 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 uh, so now I'm building, you know, the prototype from everything that I, that I, I wrote out. So cool. And then once you crack the nut on this whole thing, Make sure you practice what you preach and teach it. Absolutely. It sounds like a painful, like you could add a lot of value, solve, you know, that pain for people. So that's, that's one of my long-term goals is to teach VR uh, with VR using VR uh, awesome. or, or AR. Right now AR is not right. AR is some years back behind uh, VR as, as I would say, uh, but absolutely every, hmm. everyone loves AR um absolutely they see you know the hololens too they see the magic leap and the things that you can do with it um 
and then they kind of think of VR as almost of a gimmick in this lot of ways, but a lot of things can only be done in VR and like uh, as far as training and simulations and stuff um, until we get to the point where we can do it in AR, but it'll be a lot harder to pull off. Uh, so I think both, both ways are absolutely amazing and there's not a lot of games uh, in AR, uh, so that's wide open. Um, I would say there's a lot of experiences. I've seen some incredible stuff from these uh, these uh, indie uh, game, uh, uh, I would say contests, uh, because uh, I'll have to I'll have to link you some. Some of them are just incredible. Like this guy built out his 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 grandmother's memories uh, from growing up in in uh, in Korea, I believe, and then so he actually absolutely built out a whole museum dedicated towards that and then there's a bunch of xr experiences inside of there where you see her as a hologram and she's re she's teaching you about her culture and you're, you're seeing uh, animations that you know from her childhood that you know she's alive and well so she's ab absolutely portraying this through an artist so it's a, 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 you know it's incredible to just to, to see that and uh, to hmm. know that you can build something not like that so it doesn't it doesn't have to be a game it could be you know whatever you want it to be is is the beauty of it yeah man that's ins that's insane you'll have to send me those links for sure um Absolutely. so yeah i was curious uh what is like a big lesson that you've learned on prototyping your idea or have you, do you have you had like some breakthrough you're like oh that's I'll be doing that the next time I prototype something. Uh, I would say it's from the game jams, um, seeing other people's approach to solving problems, um, just because, uh, you know, or reading articles as well. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest ones, I would say, is from the Microsoft team. Um, they document their approach. Um, so a lot of people have test cases, and they, they kind of explain out their entire thought process for everything. So I would say that that Microsoft uh, test cases for how they build out projects absolutely helped me uh, build out prototypes for for a lot of things. Just because, uh, you know, before that I didn't I didn't think of the physical objects like they use styrofoam for instance, and and they use uh, they use uh, some wire that can you know connects to uh, basically a piece of foam that you put on your head in order to prototype things out because it's the same experience physically that we have in reality. So instead of like looking at a screen, um, it helps you to understand spatial, you know, spatial design. Uh, um, you know, it might just be a piece of paper that you pull out and then, uh, you know, you tell people that you only have these certain icons that you can use. And then you only have these certain gestures that you can use, or you only have your hands. And now we have hand tracking as well. I don't know if you see, see any of the hand tracking videos was absolutely amazing right now. Hmm. Uh, it's an incredible time to get involved with that. But uh, some, some things, uh, my friend has an ADHD experience where you just sit inside of a classroom and uh, you experience what it's like to have ADHD. And then there's buttons in front of you and each button has a answers to the question that the teacher is presenting you all the information. And, but you see all these various distractions. You're not able to actually answer the questions um, because you because you're experiencing uh, someone who has uh, ADHD, uh, you're experiencing their perspective. Uh, so by the end of it, I've seen a lot of people couldn't even 
they didn't even come close to finishing the course literally because they were distracted by everything that was going on hmm. inside of the environment. So it's just uh, seeing people's different prototypes like that uh, kind of uh, also uh, inspired me to know like, okay, I can absolutely make something that's a value uh, for someone because someone might have a mental, uh, you know, uh, a disability and then you might be the key you know, in your prototype experience to, you know, build that out. So, hmm. uh, but yes, from Microsoft Teams, from Unity, I would say also uh, uh, just from learning from other people as well, uh, from game jams or from demos that I've seen, um, from absolutely just amazing experiences, just globally. <laughs> so. Yeah. Man, that's wild. Uh, you might have kind of touched on this already, but I was curious, what role do you see mixed reality? helping uh to tackle mental health uh so i see it playing so many so many roles because uh i mean right now i mean we're quarantined right but i could pull out my headset and i could be pretty much anywhere you know i could use google earth and just kind of you know look around and you know i can plan i've known people to plan out trips that way but as far as with mental health in general there's certain colors and certain sounds that people uh, that just ease people's minds. So uh, you could put on a certain uh, environment and just kind of, you know, sit in it as people that meditate in it. Uh, me personally, you know, I've been shedding like a thousand calories a day ever since I got my, my quest. I put a tracker app on to the quest. Then I'm playing these boxing experiences. Um, uh, Thrill of the fighters, uh, the hand tracking, not that great, but the absolute, <laughs> the whole experience, the whole experience as a whole is absolutely amazing. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, for me, it just, it makes me feel healthier. It makes me feel better knowing, uh, I feel like I'm in better shape. Like I could, I could go maybe, you know, I can go some rounds now, but I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at first. So I, I think it absolutely is going to change the face um, of how we're, um, using, you know, VR and, and, and medical at the same time, because, it could be something from the anatomy um, that we could, you know, uh, see uh, better as, as far as, uh, uh, you know, if, if there's something inside of your brain, let's say that's going on and uh, someone did some scans and then they saw that your brain was a little bit different from people's from pulling out that, uh, that, that uh, you know, that, that image and seeing it inside of the 3D space and being able to go around and, and see your, your entire brain. Uh, from medical perspective is absolutely useful or you might be afraid of spiders uh, let's say or heights uh, I've seen I've seen both used to treat people uh, with both and they have like a they have a cartoon approach and it starts as like a cartoon at first and then and people are not afraid of the cartoon but as it gets more realistic and they they have it more lifelike and more simulated and uh, it looks closer and closer like that animal animal does in real life then you know people will freak out or or they won't which is amazing or there's there was someone that was absolutely afraid of heights and he couldn't even look over a ledge uh because something happened to him and then they use vr to kind of basically uh put his mind at ease and so he was able to go to the ledge and look look out over the edge so for mental health i think it's going to be absolutely huge because there's so many people with different kinds of disabilities that you never think of. Um, uh, sometimes I've, I've spoken with educators and they've shot out 
all kinds of things that I would just never think of. And I was like, I don't have those pain points, but someone has those pain points. Mm. Uh, and if you go speak to them, you could kind of quickly realize like, holy cow, like someone might need a car simulator uh, because, you know, their kid is going to destroy their car. As soon as they get inside of there, they might have a, they might have a disability where they don't learn as fast as other people. And they might need, uh, you know, a lot of time inside of VR to, to learn how to drive that car. So I think it's absolutely in the future going to uh, revolutionize, you know, the, the way that we do things, especially with telecommunication. I mean, cause a video, you can have a video chat with a doctor right now, uh, you know, uh, via video and then they can kind of go over your symptoms and stuff with you. Uh, but in the future, that's going to be taken, you know, absolutely uh, further. I have doctors in my family that I've spoken with about VR and they're like, Oh man, I, I would have all kinds of treatments. So they're thinking of, they're thinking of being able to train people that they couldn't train normally. Uh, and, and, and uh, as you were talking about machine learning, I've seen so, so many machine learning uh, uh, like startups and the companies when it comes to diagnosing things um, and kind of taking that approach to like a mixed reality approach and being able to, you know, solve some of these, these, you know, these incredible complex uh, medical problems in the future is going to be absolutely, you know, uh, game changing. Hmm. Um, so definitely. Crazy, man. Yeah. This uh, I'm so happy we did this podcast. This is like a whole new world. I think for a lot of, a lot of people in this audience. And so just like you were talking about, you know, being the VR guy in the real estate land, we're bringing the, we're bringing the uh, mixed reality to the Python people and uh, hopefully some like, you know, some, some real growth happens here. So thanks for doing that. Um, I had a question. Yes. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway from reading the e-myth? I know you mentioned some stuff uh, in the pre-interview from that. Uh, so I follow, I follow John um, uh, Samos, I believe is his last name. And uh, he recommended that book um, just from, uh, he has a video series from uh, a business partner that he has. And uh, he asked him, hey, what was, what was your absolutely game changer book? And he sent the email. And I was like, I got to get that. So I went and I got that immediately the same day. And I read it and the book was absolutely incredible. Uh, because uh, it gave you a story of a small business owner uh, dealing with um, basically a mentor figure and him going over the pain points of her business and trying to see her why and trying to see what she was trying to do with the brand and actually bring that to uh, into that into fruition. Um, I actually, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen The Prophet on, uh, uh, I think it's MSNBC, mm -hmm. uh, there's someone, uh, I think his name is uh, Marcus, and he goes, I think, uh, yeah, I think his name is Marcus. <laughs> and he goes, maybe that's why I like him. He goes, to, he, fix, he fixes uh, a lot of problems with businesses. So it was kind of, it, it kind of reminded me of that, but there was like actual actionable steps inside of it for systematic approaches. Uh, just talk, just talking about systems in general and how they drive business um, um, and how business systems are really the key drivers of, of business in general uh, uh, and not just the, you know, okay, so I, I believe when I start working for a company, like um, I have a personal belief and I got this at an early age, so I feel, I feel kind of bad that I'm a cog in the machine, you know, 
I didn't understand how the system works. And when the system isn't working, then I know why, you know, uh, uh, if I'm let go, I realized it was a business decision at the end of the day and they have a profit, a profitable system. And somehow I'm taking the profits away from the business. And that's why, you know, I was released. So that same approach, uh, when it comes to, uh, system, uh, systems in business, uh, can be applied to so many things, you know, uh, uh, and then as long as people understand the brain and what it's trying to do, then they don't mind doing the processes that it takes in order to have a successful business as long as they, as long as they understand the why of the owner and the business, then they get why the system exists. Uh, and then uh, not only that, you know, I'm a firm believer in like uh, that everyone should kind of have the CEO mindset when it comes to a business. So, um, you know, being able to, you know, step away from a system and have that system run itself uh, because there, there's people with profitable business models that can step away from their business and it's still, still going to run, whether it's a website business, whether it's, you know, a valve business or oil business and they can, they can step away from it, but there's a lot of people who can't step away yeah. from their business for a single day without the whole thing crumbling. Um, and that's what this book is about. Literally it's, it's about why people can step away from their business and why people are stuck inside of their business. And I, you know, I know a lot of small businesses that are stuck inside of their business. You know, I know a lot of big business owners are still stuck inside of their business. Uh, uh, and then I know a lot of ones are just passionate. They'd rather be stuck inside of their business. So, uh, it kind of just explains the in-betweens uh, very well in, in a way that's uh, definitely tangible and, um, you know, that, that your brain can kind of soak in to get all of that, that knowledge. Cool. Yeah, I saw, uh, I think, well, there's actually like a lot of e-myth books. They have all these themes for like all kinds of random stuff. And I was trying to find the one, but I think the one that, you might have read it was like the ebook revisited or something like that. That seemed, yes. is that the one? Okay. Yeah. They had like massage, like ones for like massage people and real estate. And I was just like, Holy cow. But, uh, cool. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, that's one of the other benefits of this podcast is I'm always getting to pry, uh, you know, the best books that people run into and, uh, I'm super excited to dig into that one. So thank you for sharing that. All right. No problem at all. No problem. I books for days. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Because I will be uh, asking you a question about that here very quickly. We're coming up on our hour and a half here. Uh, but I, and I just have like a very couple of last questions here. So I'm going to buzz right through them. But um, uh, I, so from, okay, so check this out. What did you learn from your VR shopping experience app project that you worked on? Because I know that there might've been a learning opportunity there. Uh, so I learned uh, photogrammetry. I learned uh, just from talking to other people about implementing this kind of idea, like what it would what it would take. And a lot of not only told me for the Houston market, like a lot of people are building for museums, a lot of people are building for golf courses with these type of experiences. So they're really curated. Um, so I had to kind of learn that from a firsthand perspective, like from people who actually build out projects like this. Um, what it would take to build something out like this, who would buy this in the first place. Uh, that actual, the actual team that built out that project, 
they got bought out by Shopify, and so now they're a part of the Shopify VR team, and they 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 uh, they were documenting a lot of their experiences early on to uh, how they were starting out the VR project as well, and um, a lot of them were prototyping inside of VR, and uh, I think they were using uh, like some prototyping experiences inside of Unreal Engine is what I'm, what I'm assuming they were using. And it was absolutely incredible because they were able to uh, make an object as big as a building. And then people just kind of sit around and draw on it or, you know, they were able to like make these separated uh, incubator spaces almost and then kind of prototype ideas and while out seeing the other people and then um, show what they built inside of VR. Uh, so and then uh, you know uh, scripting, you can pretty much build anything. So you can make any kind of interaction that you pretty much want it. You know they were building out watches and shoes and clothes and hats and stuff, and uh, it was absolutely crazy hmm. to see like a real artist draw a shoe, and then the marketing specialist you gonna know, sit there and see why a person would buy this and then build out the brand all there together with the color swatches and stuff. So hmm. I learned a lot from, from that, um, from, from that approach, um, just in general. So, uh, if, if that's a medium blog for Shopify VR, um, that's still running today, that kind of goes over a lot of these processes and how to get started and stuff. So that's really how I, you know, got started myself. So definitely, uh, definitely a, a big learning opportunity for a lot of people who wanted to go that route. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so you had also mentioned something about the uh, open source project. I'm, I might botch the name, but it's Guri VR. Yes. Um, so um, Mozilla comes down a lot to, uh, to the VR meetups. Um, they send uh, some, some team members and one of them, not only did he have like a, like a really cool app. Uh, I'm not sure if I can actually talk about it. So, uh, but it was, it was, uh, I'm saying another guy brought an app down <laughs> and, uh, we had this crazy experiences where we, we were all connected and we were drawing all together. And, um, uh, basically he showed us an extension of that, which was this great app that you could build for, uh, that, that has certain version that you could build VR projects just by telling this stuff. And so he was, he started to tell it things and basically he started to build out VR projects kind of like what you were saying, uh, you know, procedurally. And we're like, Holy crap, that's absolutely nuts that you can just kind of dictate things. And, um, you know, this website pops it up and, you know, this guy, you know, develop, develop this, you know, uh, this backend system that you can actually do this from. And so uh, just kind of seeing like the, to, to the extent, um, not, not so, not so much the, uh, the one that's showed, but to show the background when, and, you know, what can be done with that technology was absolutely crazy. And so uh, it started to, uh, to make me realize, and that was a few years ago, like, oh man, we're, we're coming up on this really quick, you know? We have all these content management systems and stuff in the WordPress, but, you know, uh, when you straight up, you know, go minority report and you're able just to move objects and Photoshop things just with your hands and stuff and edit videos just with your hands and stuff in the future, you know, it's going to be game changing. Absolutely. You know, uh, hmm. because uh, I can't draw, you know, my dad's a professional artist, but I can't draw worth a lick. And, uh, <laughs> 
but in VR, right, it's a different approach. So I, I probably could draw something pretty well. Most people can draw, actually. Uh, I don't know if you saw that TED chat, um, that TED talk, but most people actually can draw. Uh, but in VR, it like unlocks that that uh, that that mindset for some reason. So huh. now I feel confident that I could draw out, you know, an entire, you know, experience. But at first, you know, I didn't I didn't feel that way. But absolutely. yeah, I I just thought it was crazy. Like I was looking at one of the things on there, and it was like a chart, and you could like like move towards the chart and like go up and down and kind of like explore the chart. The I was just like, this isn't a browser. This is crazy. Absolutely. Um, if you if you get a chance, I would check out WebXR. Uh, it's the the new framework uh, for VR experiences. Uh, so there's a there's an experience where you can literally just send a link to someone and log log in. I know Facebook uh, with the Horizon app that's coming on uh, soon. You know they're working on deep linking technology as well being able to share to share a link and then someone log into the same experience as you at the exact same time, whether it's a game or just an experience. Uh, so kind of, you know, mixing that, you know, with this type of technology on top of that is absolutely going to be crazy. So I'm just saying the technology stacks in the future and, you know, what people will be able to build with, you know, using uh, uh, these uh, web frameworks just in, you know, in the future is going to be absolutely, or with, you know, with these uh, collaborative projects, absolutely going to be crazy in the future. Uh, yeah. So that's just one of them. But, you know, there's, there's a bunch, you know, there's, there's several, you know, that, that, that are changing the face of, the, of reality. Uh, if you go, uh, a lot of them are not uh, quote unquote open source, but if you go to see like some of the stuff that's on, um, oh man, I can't, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, so I'll send you a link to some stuff. Okay. How about that? And, yeah, sounds uh, good. <laughs> that, I, I'm kind of whole... putting you on the spot here, so it's fair enough. Oh no, no. So that's the that's the benefits of having Evernote. So I have this stuff tagged up, and uh, so it'd be a matter of me just you know finding. But I have I have so many links, of thousands of links. So cool, man. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, alrighty. Yeah, you're you're off the hook after this one. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, the best piece of advice for me was to get around uh, other people um, that were actively engaged in what they were doing. Um, and uh, like the first group I joined was a leadership group uh, called Brother for Brother. And uh, basically, their philosophy was iron chopper's iron. Uh, they had uh, like votes, like Congress, whenever there were there were um, certain experience. Whenever we were there was something to uh, I guess uh, democratize. So we were we were sitting there. We we had a democracy going on, and you know people would vote and say aye for things. And um, you know a lot of a lot of those people were doing amazing things like. Some of them started, uh, you know, poetry lounges and water companies and, you know, professional chefs and, you know, break dancers, like it's uh, po professional podcasters. So it's like uh, being around those group of people and they're so diverse uh, definitely taught me a lot about life and a lot about joining organizations and want to be a part because I was like, you know, uh, somebody's probably going to write books about a lot of these people that are organizing. And then when you look at the, the, uh, 
um, um, when you look at some of the founders of these companies, you know, um, then you can see like, you know, a lot of the Steve Jobs and stuff, like their networks were amazing, you know, and, and sometimes it was networks throughout, you know, uh, throughout not even just their own network, but sometimes their families or their friends network that got them inside of certain opportunities. Um, hmm. So that, that whole approach to two things and being open-minded and, and uh, 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 branching out. And I think that that's what keeps a lot of people the same and where they are in life versus like, you know, 10 years ago, uh, because, you know, they're more open-minded. I mean, look at you, you know, you reach out to me, you know, <laughs> you know, you can write a book on open-mindedness, you know, trying to get my perspective, you know, from a Python background, but it takes people like you, you know, that's going out doing these type of interviews. It takes people that go out and get uncomfortable. I think, uh, I, I don't know if you read the book Purple Cow, but they call it the sneezers. Whenever there's adaption, uh, the sneezers, they, they, uh, they go out and they immerse themselves in new technologies and then they present those ideas for the rest of the world. Uh, so um, being around, you know, those different groups of people, you know, if, even if it was like a marketing or business chain from, from whether it's technical, uh, whether it's a managerial, uh, whether it's an owner, entrepreneur, uh, being around all those different people that are doing so many different things with their lives. Uh, that way you can, you know, learn from them um, to open those doors, you know, I yeah. think is definitely the best advice that, that I was given to, you know, go out and, you know, uh, meet these people from different places. When I went to, when I went out to California, I looked for meetups in California. I looked for meetups all over from LA to, you know, Orange County to see like what was going on there. Or when I went, even when I went to a barbershop, you know, I was asking, hey, you guys know any VR people? And guess what they did? They did know somebody <laughs> in VR that I was able to connect with and uh, and build from that. So yeah. you just got to be open from that. Dang, uh, yeah. That. Man, that's, that's such a cool message. I mean, um, it's not like, like somebody could argue like, oh, I already knew that or something like that. But it's like, are you doing it? You know, are you, because if you're doing it, you'd probably be having like a completely different life experience. Like your trajectory is just going to be just totally different. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Most important book to read in 2020. Go. Ooh, uh, I'm saying, I'm going to say it's still the E-Myth. I'm going to say really? the E-Myth um, just because, I mean, I love that book so much. Um, I think that I'm gonna say a combination. I'm gonna cheat the, the go giver and the e myth um, because it, it taught me about building value and it taught me about building business systems. And I'm I'm a very business minded person, um, so I think I think those two were absolutely great books that were recommended by some uh, good friends of mine and uh, and some people that I think of as mentors. So. Cool. Yeah. Note taken, and I hope everybody enjoys those recommendations. So going forward, uh, what are like some top programming languages that people should keep on their radar? Certainly technology that's empowering um, VR, AR, I would imagine. Is it C Sharp or anyway? Sorry, sorry to interrupt your thought process. Programming languages for 2020, go. So for, for VR, AR is absolutely C Sharp. Um, 
but you know if you're using Unreal Engine is C++, so it's going to be it's going to depend on your technology stack. Some people still use JavaScript to build out you know theirs because it's web based, uh, but uh, for the most part, it's going to be C sharp if you're using Unity uh, because it's the same the same thing to build a uh, like I said a game app is the same thing that you're going to be using to build an enterprise VR app as well. So no matter if it's training or something. Uh, it's going to be a very uh, similar route to take. Uh, and so I, I think C-sharp is absolutely going to be, uh, uh, you know, exponential because if you, even if you look at the, if you look at the, to, uh, the trajectory of some of these companies, like the, uh, uh, the History of the Future is actually another good book too to read uh, if you haven't. So the history of Oculus before it was purchased, uh, uh, by Facebook, written by uh, the same author that uh, wrote uh, Ready Player One, um, is absolutely amazing insight on the the, the future of VR. Uh, why these game engines are so important? Because a lot of their companies they were based off of like graphics companies, and and um, so also low level languages too for their graphics. Uh, and and uh, like being able to write to the DirectX or stuff like that. Don't try to make it a game engine because a lot of people go and take that approach and they try to make a game engine and they just make a user interface or something like that. And uh, I hear a lot of stories about people just making game engines. And uh, I, uh, if if you're that guy, you ha- you have that experience. I'm not, you know, I'm not. It was definitely a learning experience, but with things already in place like Unreal Engine like unity um i would just recommend to master those things and build out because they have asset systems that you can take from different artists uh or they have you know uh they have already solutions packaged for you so you don't have to do a lot more legwork in order to get the same type of production value is absolutely amazing so Hmm. yeah stand on the shoulders of giants don't don't try and do, I mean, you can be, be my guest type thing. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. it, but if you're wanting to like live in the, in the future, uh, yeah. Use these things that have some batteries included. That's kind of what it sounds like. Absolutely. I, I've used, I've used some unity assets that were like free and then people go and they, they experience my experience. They're like, man, dude, like, how did you build this? And I'm just like, this guy built this. I didn't build this. You know, <laughs> he, just had, he had it for free, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but also uh, to that note too, uh, give credit and don't steal people's uh, assets and art and stuff. Because I, I hear about a lot of these VR developers, uh, they get caught up with taking people's assets and stuff. So you have to, you, sometimes you have to find an artist. I know people who outsource artists all over the world. And so it's, but sometimes those artists also take from other people too, and you would have no idea. So got to, got to be careful too, you know, of, uh, whenever you're building out these projects too. Yeah, man, that's, that's good. Yeah. There's, uh, especially with this open source thing, it's just a free for all. (laughs) Hopefully people are forking projects, but, uh, you know, that's not always done. And so, yeah, you know, giving that credit is, Anyway, I just, I don't know if you heard about the Siraj Revolves, like, situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in that machine learning course when that happened. Oh. And and part of the, part of the gimmick was, like, when you finish the course, like, we'll, we'll partner you up with people. And supposedly he had partnerships with, like, 
NVIDIA and like entrepreneurs and all like, so the story goes, but I mean like halfway through this thing, it came out that he plagiarized all this work and his, his credibility just got completely destroyed. And the entire course was just like up in arms. We're like, we're just like, dude, what do you like? You just, (laughs) anyway, it was an experience, but like straight up that guy was not forking projects, not giving people credit, everything that you're talking about, man. I mean, just, just do the right thing. I don't know what else to say. No, I, I completely agree. I did hear about that. I followed Siraj for a while because, you know, I was, uh, you know, I do have some Python experience. So, I, you know, I was looking into more machine learning and stuff, going to meetups for machine learning. And, uh, you know, I absolutely heard about that. So, hey, I, hey, I'm sorry that you experienced that. You know, see, that's what I don't want to hear from people whenever whenever I start to curate my experiences and stuff and start to build out, uh, you know, projects for people because I want to give you the absolute most value that I possibly can. Yeah. I want to be as clear cut and um, uh, as see through as possible. That way, you know, like, okay, this is, this guy's legit. Like he's really trying to help me, you know, I'm gonna have a community built around it. You know, I've been thinking of, you know, how I can uh, personally, if I can help you, how I can have someone there to help you through something, you know, so building out that systematically to make sure that my community is good because, you know, I don't, I don't, if, if you send him a message, it was like, can I get my money back? You know, I'm going to meet you. If it was my project, I'm going to give you your money back. Absolutely. Right. You know, you feel Dude, like- there was so many people that did not get their money back. I mean, I'll, I'll share this with you. I don't know if you can see the little sign on right here. It says good. Mm-hmm. So this is like, whether it's whatever life experience happens, this is the word you tell yourself and there's always something to get out of it. So yeah, like what you're talking about, even if it's like, I see that experience and I'm going to make sure that never happens to anything that I'm involved with. So for that, I'm grateful. Um, but man, what a turd. <laughs> I just, <laughs> anywho. Yeah. Um, all right. So all things considered everything we talked about today, what is the message that you want people to leave the interview with? Um, I would say, go out and build stuff, you know, uh, go out and build XR experiences. Uh, get your friends involved. I put my grandma, I put my great aunt, you know, uh, my dad, you know, my brothers, cousins, little cousins. I put them all inside of VR as quick as I could. You know, I got the leather straps from VR cover and stuff for I can put as many people as I could inside of these, these headsets. Uh, so if you're absolutely passionate about it, uh, go for it. You know, whether it's just building a game, it doesn't have to be a VR game. It could be just a, a video game uh, inside of the Unity game engine. You know, I built out like four projects before I felt comfortable even trying to get involved with building a VR project. Um, but, you know, don't wait. Just just start. Just start building something, you know. And uh, before you know it, you know, someone will be asking you to do a podcast. <laughs> I love it, man. No, th- seriously, this has been a, a great experience. I'm so happy that I went out of my comfort zone. Uh, and I, I hope you, it was a, a great experience for you as well. Help uh, get your message out there to the world. And uh, what is, do you have any call to action? Now here's oh. your platform. Go for it. Uh, so uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Marcus R. Hubbard. Uh, so 
um, I have a website. It's currently down at the moment, but it's uh, iimpactxr.com. Uh, so I'll, I'll be curating more of my experiences on iimpactxr.com. And uh, just because uh, I'm, I'm building out, I want people to have a good experience with VR from the get-go. And a lot of people don't. Uh, so uh, whether it's like, uh, like I was trying to build a React app and stuff, but I, I documented my failures on there. Uh, showing like my whole process and my thought process and that you know it was harder to do than what I thought but I think that level of uh, of clarity and um, I, I'm losing the word but you know that transparency you know that it actually helps the community grow and grow a lot quicker um, hmm. and so uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll be also releasing a YouTube channel uh, VR Capsule um, so you can follow me on, on, uh, on that as soon as I have it up, I probably, since, because I'm promoting it, I'll probably have it up immediately now. So, so <laughs> now that I've told people that I'm doing it, I need to go out and do it. So, yeah. Nice. And they can connect with you like on LinkedIn as well. Is that a good place or, or where, yeah, so, where's like another place to connect with you, I guess? Uh, so LinkedIn, um, so uh, so my biggest weakness is marketing and brand and branding myself. You know, I'm, I'm always doing it for other people. Uh, but I need to get, I need to get to a point where I'm building out everything myself for myself. So I say, uh, find me on LinkedIn at Jamarcus slash Hubbard. Um, and, uh, basically, you know, if you don't know how to spell my name is J E R M A R K I S last name is H U B B A R D. That's two B's in the last name. And, uh, yeah, I'll absolutely add you. I'll connect with you. I'll answer any questions. People hit me up from questions, whether they go to my, my college or whether they, you know, just know me from around the way. And I, and I try to help you as much as possible. I have people like comic book people messaging me and stuff or, you know, people with apps. So I have all different types of friends and backgrounds. And I'm, you know, I'll definitely try to help you as best as I can. Excellent. And we'll, we'll make sure they've got all those links in there. So man, I think we did a bang up job. We covered a lot of topics. Um, so I guess until the next podcast, I'll see you folks later. Peace out.